Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another Shop Talk Show. This is Jason from the Shield Bash podcast. I am joined today by Jared Cryan from Warp Lords. Uh, Jared, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and Warp Lords. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me on the show here. I'm Jared, uh, coming over from the Warp Lords podcast. Uh, we uh, play a game called Warp Lords. Uh, that was designed by my friend Dylan. It's kind of the reason that we started doing the podcast was to kind of test the game and show it to other people. Uh, it's a number of friends that uh, I made when we all lived together in Vermont. Since then, we've moved in different directions, and we kind of just have fun and tell stories that we release every week on our podcast, the Warp Lords podcast. And Warp Lords is its its own unique um, uh, game system. What I like, I personally am kind of interested. Listeners, yeah. I promise we'll get into a real the actual topic. But what kind of system is Warp Lords? Sure. Uh, so first, I should probably say if you do want to check it out yourself, it is available on uh, Drive Through RPG. Uh, you can get it for free or pay for what you want for it. Um, it's essentially nice. a roll under system uh, that rolls off of D12s. Um, it is an exploding dice system, so basically you have an array of stats like in other systems like Pathfinder or 5e or whatever, and essentially, depending on what your rank is, you'll roll a number of dice that can explode if you hit a certain number, more or less. It's, gotcha. uh... It's easier to like. It's easier to show someone than to explain for me personally. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense when you do it yourself. Feel well, free to it, check it out on Drive Through RPG. <laughs> uh, Drive Through RPG, or you know, if you don't have the time to play it, it you can definitely hear it played on the Warp Lords podcast. Good point. But, yes, this is uh, also true. <laughs> and if you're coming at us from Warp Lords uh, again, my name's Jason. I'm from the Shield Bash podcast. Uh, player of Tam West Crown and very recently player of the Ruxy known as Bridger. Uh, and today I am your host for the topic. This is one we kind of combined a few things and we will be discussing new player advice. This is not just also for like, oh, I've never played an RPG before, but this is also like, well, I've been playing with the same group for five years and now, you know, we've split across the country because college ended and I need to find a new group because we can't play online sort of advice as well. It's going to kind of be an all-around thing. And quite frankly, um, if you're listening to this, you're probably a veteran player. Most of the listeners to 4Shop Talk Show are people who have been playing for a little while and looking for more in-depth details. Keep in mind, you can look at this from the advice of like, well, I've got a new player starting. What should I tell them? So kind of useful for everybody hopefully if we do this that's the goal right so uh jared why don't you start us off why don't you like when we worked out the things i mean it's been a hot month i think since we yeah. we step like we set this up what was the first thing that popped into your head for new player advice like the like was there ever a thing that you wish somebody had told you right off the bat or anything that you really want to make sure is covered on this you know, what was kind of on my mind when you were asking what we wanted to talk about kind of came from, uh, I'm currently playing two games. So there's the game that I play in the podcast, and we do that every week. And then I also DM another game uh, playing 5th edition with a bunch of newbies. So when you were talking to me 
about like what should we talk about a lot of what i was thinking about is advice that i essentially told a lot of these players who'd never played before um and you know after having played with them for going on like almost a year now just like things that i still see them doing wrong uh in areas where maybe you know they could use a little bit of assistance so who knows maybe maybe i'll uh link them to this and they'll hear the advice <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i mean it's one of those difficult things you know we um one of my home games, we had a guy who came in. We were playing 10th level, Pathfinder, 1st edition. He had never played any TTRPGs before. He picked up and he played a an alchemist and just rocked it. Like, it was a, it's a very complicated class. You're high level. It's a difficult system. And he just dove right in. But I've had so many players who come in and I'm just like, 1st level human fighter. That's, that's oh, yeah. what you're going to start as. Because... That- you can't remember, like, you can't, you don't have the critical thinking skills yet to figure out which dice is which, because, you know, it's just based on the number of sides, like... Got too many actions. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's so. funny, uh, the first uh, game I ever actually played was Pathfinder 1st Edition, and I specifically remember that, and one of the things that I remember starting is just misunderstanding the rules and then trying to play in the game and do them the way that I thought that they made sense. And then the DM, you know, having to be like, nah, that's not right. You can't do that. And, uh, you know, it's a bit of learning, but I think uh, one piece of advice for new players is to not get upset when you're wrong. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of reading. Those books are really complicated and sometimes you won't understand it. You know, especially with Pathfinder, I remember there's like, what, like, seven or eight modifiers for your AC, but they can't, like, stack unless they're different modifiers. I don't know if that's still in second edition. Uh, Well, it actually is almost a little worse because some of them do stack depending on the condition. Uh, Natural armor bonuses always stack. Deflection bonuses don't. Um, (laughs) The flat foot and the... uh, There's the three, right? Anyway, I loved that. I liked how complicated it was. And in some ways, like more simplified versions can be fun, but I still enjoy that kind of... I don't know. It's not very friendly to newbies, I think. But it's cool, like, when you're almost, like, solving a problem as you create your character. Like, will this work with this? And then you're like, nah, those two unarmored bonuses don't stack with each other. Ah, there goes my entire build. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I love it, too. It It is my game of choice. I've played a few different ones, and Pathfinder first edition is is going to be the, the the one I keep coming back to. But um, stepping us back a few steps here, that don't be afraid to be wrong. One of the things that I have found helpful is when you when you're just starting, and there are so many things. Instead of saying like, "Oh, I'm going to move thirty feet over here and then like swing my sword at this guy," just look at the DM and be like, "Hey, I want to attack this guy. How can I do that?" And, like, uh, let them help you answer that question of, like, okay, well, what's your movement speed? All right. So you can't reach him, so you could pull out your bow and shoot or, you know, have mm-hmm. the experienced people at the table give help you with your answers. And then that way you kind of learn to get a feel for your character. And this is not a permanent solution. You should only be doing this until you've, you know, gotten the feel for your character and then now you know how it works. But... I. Uh, 
even some experienced players who are trying a new system. You know, like uh, I've seen people who've been playing for years sit down and try to play Starfinder, and it's just like, okay, I don't really understand a lot of this. Um, I just want to hurt somebody. What can I do? This is true. And uh, one of the groups that I play with, I mentioned that I started... Uh, for a bunch of new players, and I, what I referred to this as is the uh, training wheels period, where you know you might walk them through. Like for instance, someone who may be less likely to research all of the rules may, for some reason, choose a complicated class, you know, that requires a lot of management. So then you need yeah. to like walk them through every like individual step. Uh, but I think the ultimate goal that is really important is to eventually get to a point where you understand how your own character works and you can take the, you know, take agency over that and not have, like, the DM needing to walk you through how combat works while also managing a horde of monsters and how all of their abilities work. But Yes. Yeah, I mean, that is, that is always kind of one thing, is you want to be able to play the game without being a, a drag on everybody else. But yeah. one thing that I've also found kind of useful, um, and a, a bit of a real-world example, <clears throat> I learned more about the English language in high school taking a Spanish class than I did taking, actually, English, because it kind of teaches you those differences. You know, the way you see how another language works, so you kind of learn how, like... It helps you pinpoint the ways yours works. You can do this with classes, too. You know, if you don't want to sit down and start a whole campaign, <clears throat> you might start off a group of new players with a bunch of pre-generated classes, and you run a session, self-contained adventure, then the next time you sit down, everybody switches up. So you kind of get that idea of, like, okay, I was playing the fighter, but now I'm playing the wizard, and I just got one shot, and I'm unconscious now because now I'm a wizard, so clearly, here's a thing with this class. It also mm -hmm. kind of help when you guys do start an actual game, you kind of know, like, okay, well, the wizard's not a coward, the guy just has 4 HP, so that's why I stay more cautious. Yeah, help yeah. you kind of learn the, the what's, uh, the, like, the feel of the mechanics of the game. Yeah, like, again, if you're playing a rogue, before you're thinking about hurting people, you should just be thinking about which shadows you're hiding in, and just yeah. sleuthing in the background. Not even thinking, your friend's getting hurt, but you don't care. You're sitting there lurking, waiting for the opportunity. It's a different mindset, just like kind of like what you're saying. If you're the wizard, you have a bunch of meat shields, so obviously you're not going to get in the fray. And that's the kind of role-playing stuff that you need to you know, learn, I guess, as you, as you play the games, right? Yeah. But if you're the barbarian, no. Who cares? Rage, run in. Yeah, get, get up there. There, there mm -hmm. is the... You know, there there's a great deal of fun in breaking a stereotype. True, uh, true. But starting your first characters that way, not a necessarily a great idea. Like, you know, you got to learn what the stereotype is before you start to break him. You can always be that new player stereotype of the cleric that doesn't heal. That's a great archetype that everyone should try at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is one of those times where I want to tell personal stories, but they really don't don't apply. Like, it won't they apply don't become to the broad that interesting. 
I yeah. feel like everyone has that story, though. It's kind of like everyone has their own story with their new players as they're trying to convince shopkeepers that they, like, you know, should give them magic items because you maybe saved the town and might save the world someday, so give it to me. Yeah. Everyone's had that kind of story, maybe. Or maybe yeah. just me multiple times? I don't know. No, no, I think it's <laughs> happened to everybody. I'll, we also get yeah. this one a lot. Um, so this no, this is a, a the example of don't do this, players. Uh, diplomacy is not mind control. It doesn't matter how high you roll. They will just not do whatever you say just because you rolled really high on diplomacy. Uh, That's not how that skill works. Stop trying to do it. Right. That's a, that's a fun thing there, too. When you're playing charisma-based characters, the question is, should you be relying a lot on your roles, or is it mostly based off of like what's actually happening in the game and what you're saying? Yeah. I feel like that's a good... It might be a personal preference kind of thing. It's probably not like good to punish people that might be less charismatic in real life, but... Um, I don't know. Well, if someone says something really dumb, you might kind of have to punish them. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it. Th- this goes back to one of our previous episodes of setting expectations. Uh, making sure you clear up with your dungeon master ahead of time whether, you know, what kind of role-playing it's going to be. You know, how, how relevant what you're saying is actually going to be. Uh, because some DMs are kind of like, well, you know, if you just if you want to role play, I'll role play. But if you just want to roll, we can do that. So even somebody who's not good at it can still do charisma based characters. Mm. Some DMs are, you know, a real pain in the butt and insist on the role play. Some don't care and just want the role, and we move on. Mechanics only. Know your group, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you know, and as a new player, whether you're you know, learning ahead of time. Like, if it's a new player with new DMs, you you know, that situation, that nightmare of a situation where everybody's sitting down and nobody's cracked open a book before this, <laughs> you're going to be learning together. Uh, personally, I shudder every time I hear those stories. Good for you guys. Please continue doing it. But I would just hate to be at that table. It's kind of a... a- Knowing your group, I think, is important. Like, especially because we're we're talking about new players, right? And I feel like if you're trying to find a group of people to play with, you should figure out what type of game that you're playing. Like, if you are looking to play, if you are like meeting up with a bunch of people who are playing Baldur's Gate and they just kind of want to do a tactical game and not care so much about the role play, like if that's what you're looking for, you know, find that kind of group maybe. Yeah. More so than one that's going to be focused a lot on talking and political intrigue and, you know, embellishments of their shiny belts and I don't know. But yeah. find your group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this this is the thing that gets brought up in every episode is, um, you know, communicate with your table. It seems to find its way into every conversation. But um, new players here, one thing to, to also keep in mind is that if you're joining a new group, it is good to find somebody who's experienced to join, at least for a little while. Like yourself, Jared, who are, you know, you're an experienced player running for new players. Like, even if the person doesn't want to run, even if they're just going to sit and help play, it's useful to have that level of experience for not the rules interpretations necessarily, but like just some of the social dynamics that can pop up, you know, learning like, um, 
how to answer rules questions on the fly. You know, if you can't find it right away. I personally prefer, I'm going to make a ruling, then we can figure it out, like, in the books between sessions. That's you know? the right way. There's well, probably another way, too, but I'm just going to side with you and say that's the right way. I I always I'm, hesitate I'm to say anything's I'm right or wrong on this. Uh, <laughs> and I say that in one of the one of these, you know, we, yeah. we discussed uh, XP versus milestone leveling, and one of the guys in the conversation had a great right. experience with... Um, uh, with um, XP leveling, and he was so obsessed with it, he's like, milestone leveling just shouldn't even be allowed because it's. And I'm like, every Not, table's different. I di- I don't agree with the, that person's take. I I think it depends on the game because, like, let's say hypothetically, so one you know your DM here. I don't know if your listeners know Five E, but there was a book that came out called Candlekeep Mysteries, and it's just a bunch of mysteries set for player characters of a certain level, and it's mm-hmm. like meant. So for that, like milestones would be perfect. But if yeah. you're playing like a, if you're playing like a free form open world kind of, like a West you know, Haven, that kind of, exactly. Like then XP is way better. But again, yeah. it doesn't matter. It really just depends on what your group wants to do. Manage exactly. your expectations. See what yeah. everyone wants. You know. Yeah. Um, but good point. Yeah, we're we're just gonna keep harping on that, listeners. So um, you know, maybe it's important. So let's let's just refocus ourselves here a little bit. We've we've pretty well covered the first and most important thing is figuring out your group, talking to your DM, talking to your uh, the other players, making sure that it's a table you even want to play at. You know, you mentioned the the Baldur's Gate style, or uh, I've often heard heard it called the Greyhawk style. You know, kill everything, loot everything that's not nailed down, and then once you get a high enough level, you start pulling up the nails that uh, setting is sick by the way yeah just saying uh, anyway sorry go on no and then you've got your own your 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 intrigue settings where people can go an entire session without rolling a single die because it's all just role play mm. figuring out you know what you want what the groups are offering figuring out how like finding all that that's step one step two now you need a character and one of the first, and this is more advice for your your first time players, okay? Not new to a system, not you know, but just new to TTRPGs. Yeah. If especially if you're in one of the bigger games like Pathfinder or D and D Five E, that's got a lot of printed material and options. You know, Pathfinder First Edition, there are over thirty classes. Do not build for mechanics. This is one of those things where I'm going to advise you, talk to your DM about the sort of character you want to play mechanically. Like, if you're like, hey, I want to be like Errol Flynn and, you know, swinging around on ropes. Or you're like, I want to be Columbo or whatever. Go to them with the mechanical, like, the flavor idea and let them help you with the mechanics. But the most important thing is you got to figure out why your character is adventuring to begin with. So many players, even players that I've seen playing for years... They have a backstory, right? But it's a why are they adventuring, not why do they care about this quest. It's like, oh yeah, I was kicked out of my family house when I was seven, and I've been living on the streets since then. I'm like, okay, so yeah, that's what you're an orphan. But like, why do you care about like what's going on in this kingdom? Why doesn't your character just leave and go to the next kingdom? You gotta have a why. This I feel like fits right under another thing that's good for any player to do and that's help the dm 
So if you don't come up with something like that, essentially what you're doing is you're making the DM have to try to figure out a reason for your player character to be in the group. So instead of doing that, do exactly uh, what Jason said there and figure out your call to action. Yeah, it's, it's hard to really give like more specific advice there without using like a particular example well, uh, if you've got one in mind, go ahead and shoot. Like, give a give an actual one. Let's say, okay, I was talking about Candlekeep Mysteries, right? Uh, essentially, what that is, is you're going out and you're, as far as I understand, I could be totally wrong here, so uh, feel free to, you know, crucify me and let me know. Uh, but I think you're essentially going out on mysteries to find missing books from a library, more or less. So if that's, if that's the thing, and you're kind of this tragic backstory hero, you have to think of a reason why that would tie into returning these books, which could be something like maybe some tie into the location, which in this case would be Candlekeep. Maybe you owe someone money and you're doing it because you have to. You don't really have a choice. Or maybe you ha- swore some kind of oath. Or maybe you're just really passionate about making sure that people return library books. Like, any of these yeah. are reasons that would work. Yeah. But yeah. In- I was kind of thinking about what you were saying earlier when you were discussing, like, design a character, not a, you know, not design for the character, not the mechanics. And I was kind of just curious what your process is for this. Like when you're trying to figure out a PC to play, where do you start? Do you look at like races and find one that looks cool and then see what kind of fits for that? What's your, what's your technique? Oh, for me, I, it depends. I usually have five or six characters rolling around in the back of my head and sometimes it's i see a cool mechanical thing in one of the books like a a cool race or a really awesome feat or something sometimes like i have this character that he is the most powerful wizard in the world like he is super amazing because he you know other wizards they have to study their book for an hour every day i just read it for five minutes uh because he's not actually a wizard right oh like the the actual sorcerer yeah he's a sorcerer but he's convinced he's a wizard and nobody else in the party is a wizard so nobody can really figure it out right um but like so it was just this fun idea of the the most powerful wizard who's not actually a wizard you know yeah you gotta run with it yeah um Uh. and but the hardest thing you know that it's that concept of like have a really great character idea figure out how it's gonna work never get the chance to play it because (laughs) The, the, the most forever impo- DM. Well, it's it's not always that. Like I, I yeah. insist on mm-hmm. being able to take um, take breaks, right? Yeah. Switch off DMs. The problem that I have is, is this, which also comes up as very important. You have to, in my opinion, especially if you're going to be playing up into the teens levels, you have to have some party balance, right? So I may have this awesome idea for my cool wizard, and his name is Hummus, by the way, and I I am currently getting to play him. But in one of the games that I was running, one of the adventure paths, one of the books, we started off with two wizards, a sorcerer, and a witch. So we had four arcane casters, and it was like we had like no front line. So sometimes you have to look at the role that needs to be filled as well especially if you're coming in mid-campaign or you know your character dies and you need something to replace it you know what i mean 
Yeah. You're you're I think a lot of people probably would disagree and say, no, play whatever you want, and the party will figure out a way to make it work. And while that's true, I think that it's easier and perhaps better for a long campaign to have some level of synergy between the party. Uh, so I, I agree with you there. Um, and you did make me think of something else uh, as well. I think that a lot of the time when people come up with their ideas, they'll kind of try to think of stuff that's funny. And for instance, the idea that you just said, that's funny. Like the, you know, you uh, everyone thinks they're a wizard. They're not a wizard. They're a sorcerer. That's funny. But I've definitely... Feel like I have heard a lot of ideas suggested that I would say are bad, and I, I don't. I don't want to tell people like what not to do. But in my opinion, I think that if you delve too far into like meta or referential jokes, like uh, I, I don't know, like something that's like based on a pun or like you know, like Hulk Hogan's name or something, and they're you know, I don't know. Something like that that's funny, like, once, but do you really want to keep playing that character for, like, a long time? That's an NPC. That's not a PC, in my opinion. Yeah. And just, that's, like, a something worth noting, because I feel like I've seen that a million times. Yeah, no, that that I definitely get when... And and sometimes you, you kind of adjust on the fly, because when I had that guy, when I started playing Hummus, every time he would cast a spell, he would just yell, WIZARD! <laughs> or wizardry or something and eventually that died off because i'm like this is getting obnoxious to me i can only imagine yeah. how it feels to the other players you're uh, you're doing a sheldon from uh, big bang theory you're doing a bazinga that's what yeah. that is yeah uh and you know i i do i tend to play a lot at conventions and i do have some characters that i play there at the, the you know the society games that i definitely wouldn't want to like role play in a campaign you know they're yeah. good for a four-hour game. For a one-shot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think that another... I, with a lot of games that I play, especially when I'm playing a PC, personally, I like to do character voices. I know that like some people don't like doing character voices. I find that it's fun. So sometimes when I'm trying to design a character, I'll try to find a voice that I enjoy doing that I can do for a long period of time. That, and that then last I part's try to, important, listeners. Yeah, I try to build the character around the voice like what would that be um and that can take you in some weird ways and maybe it's like for me that works you know who knows yeah. maybe try it well, i mean but th again, this yeah. is this is the good character advice of like hey try them you know try this if it doesn't work for you if it doesn't feel good try this if that doesn't work try this you know try a cool character voice and just see where it takes you if that, you know, if you're just like, ah, I don't tried it, didn't really fly, try just like flipping through until you find a cool mechanic to build up to. Or yeah. try like, I mean, I have an investigator. His name is Falk Colo. Peter Falk is the actor who played Columbo. So, like, I built an entire character around Columbo with just pun names. I do a lot of pun names. Yeah. I mean, what what are we if we're not people just making puns all the time i feel like that everyone has at least one of those in their game and you know we love them we love having yeah. them you know the 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 really quick wit pun yeah it's always good yeah. to have so um, thank you if you're that person in your group I, you? I will say this this makes for a great story but it is gets super frustrating if you do it long term so only do it in your short term stuff guys 
naming a character after a player at the table. Oh, too meta for me personally. <laughs> it's, we we still laugh about one of my one of the guys. He moved down to actually he moved to Texas. Um, he named his character Russ, who was one of the other guys at the table. So the DM would be going through initiative and call Russ, and they both go what? <laughs> and it was again. It's funny on the short term. Just don't do it on the long term. <laughs> Was the character based around Russ, or was it just no. named Russ? Okay, I would be fine Russ. with that. Yeah. I the I draw the line at if you're basically making a character to make fun of someone else, don't oh, do no. that. Yeah, no. Or that's... don't play yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's or another... if you do, if you do, have somebody setting. else design it for you. <laughs> like have the other players at the table design you as a character to play. Like yeah, don't because otherwise you're going to have way too high stats. <laughs> our self image across is much the higher. board yeah <laughs> there you go keep it easy okay um, so yeah uh building characters um so we've talked about you got to have a why all right uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that sticks in my head with this is there is an old lord of the rings game called the third age it was a great game it was basically they took the final fantasy 7 engine and turned it into lord of the rings and you got your cast of like characters as you went through, but I remember the last character who joined you was a writer of Rohan, and he shows up after the Battle of Helm's Deep, and he's like, where are you going? We're going to Gondor. Then I shall go with you. And I'm like, that's it? Yeah. That's your whole thing? Like, why Crazy. aren't you going with the other writers? Like, what what is this? It felt really flat, you know? A lot of people joke about that. You meet in a tavern thing, and quite frankly, it's your job as players to give the DM something more to work with, right? Yeah. We've talked a bit about how to design a character, whether you ask for advice or, you know, have a fun idea. It was also the very good point. Think of playing this character in the long term, right? Uh, If you can't do the character voice for more than 10 minutes, maybe pick a different voice. You can also design like, oh, this tagline that I thought was going to be hilarious for a long time. I really thought it would. You know, maybe some character growth and they stop doing it. Don't be afraid. <laughs> yeah, so, write it out. Yeah. Um, that That's that stretch back to what you said a while ago. Uh, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Just own up to it. Say like, hey, you know, I mean, I've been playing for over 10 years. We started a campaign. I started a character voice. And I'm like, guys, I, we got three sessions in. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to continue this voice. Like, it's, it, it, it's not working out the way I wanted it to. And I just switched character voices. Yeah, I struggle with that specifically with evil guy voices. I always go too far with the evil guy voice. It's either like too gruff or too grating, and it hurts my voice. I don't know uh, if that's kind of where you get stuck, but uh, it can be cool, but it's hard to keep it up sometimes. My, my problem with doing voices is I always tend to try to slip into the pseudo-British accent. Like, oh, classic. I have to like stop and just be like, okay, that's... Like, why is everyone British in yeah. fantasy worlds? It's More importantly, why does everybody have a bad British accent? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm not uh, even good at it. <laughs> I was thinking uh, about a week ago. I was frustrated that I can't do an Australian accent. This joke has probably been made before a ton of times, but I feel like having everyone in a setting from the Underdark have an Australian accent would be great if you could do it as a DM, because it's like, oh, I'm from Down Under, you know? Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, um, sorry. I couldn't you know, help but say that right. joke. Um, one of the things I learned uh, is if you just up-pitch the end of your sentences, sounds a little more Australian. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah. Or just say oi a bunch. Oi! oi. <laughs> like, that's all I got. That's, that's actually uh, how I get into my my um, uh, more northern Europe ones. I'm like, oi, fuckhead! What you want? Oh, right. Well, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Which, by yeah. the way, listeners, um, uh, uh, one of the, and this is an actual, like, thing for vocal coach, coaches and stuff like that. There's usually a keyword that helps you slip into an accent. Try to find that keyword. You know, for, again, for me, it's like, oi, gets into that real deep accent. Um, or, um, oh, yeah. So that's how I always start this accent, that's, by saying, oh, yeah. That's funny that you say that, because I subconsciously did that with every one of my voices, and I've never had anyone point it out before. Uh, I, do you, I, I have, are you familiar with the TV show The Office? A familiar, yes. Okay, there's a, there's an episode uh, uh, where they're, like, playing a game essentially and michael you know one of the the main characters like i do declare and like there was a voice where i was doing one of those guys but as like a a, you know a detective and every time at the beginning of 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 our podcast i would sit there like all right jared just do your i do declares to get the voice down and i'm just sitting there like i do declare you know (laughs) and it's just funny it's exactly what you said so you guess get a keyword you know if it helps read your stanislavski uh okay so uh, and that's Konstantin Stanislavski for those of you who who don't know um if you ever want to learn acting read his books uh okay the the other thing that I I got down here on here this is goes away from some of the more in game stuff but if you're not having fun leave that's great advice don't, actually it yeah. <laughs> yeah don't try to tough it out like if it's not a fun game just leave if you're not having fun you're likely making it less fun for the other people that would normally be having fun if not for the lack of fun that you are having yeah so yeah that is good advice if you're not having fun leave yeah um and and if you're worried about like offending your friends that are at the table like just explain it to them if they're going to be offended by the fact that you're not having fun they're not very good friends to begin with for starters um but like don't bad D &D is worse than no D. I feel like in that situation you could easily just say like this isn't the game for me and like no one's feelings are going to be hurt you know probably I don't know your friends but that's likely going to be the case uh, you know another thing I was thinking about like uh, have you ever been in a situation where like you're the DM you're going to run a game and you're like inviting people uh, and you're trying to figure out who's going to be playing this game, and maybe some of your friends might want to invite some other folks. Uh, when you're in that phase, it's important to think about who you're inviting, because if you know going in that someone is probably going to be frustrating for you, just don't invite them in the first place. <laughs> Save yourself the heartache, because it's not fun to have to be that, you know, yeah. in that situation. So, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, no, it, it's good advice. Um, I listen to a YouTube series called Crit Crab. Uh, some of you may have heard of it, and it's D&D horror stories. And that is like a good th- a quarter to a third of them is people playing or like, oh, man, this player was so bad for so long. And it's just like I tried to get out of it by starting a new game, but like they found out I was playing and then they were like, can I come? And I was like, yeah, I'm like, what? you knew <laughs> it was a problem. Like, yeah. Uh. You should have just said no. 
there's like a million things that you can say and it's it's always easier hindsight but you know another excuse if you are in the situation right now uh i you could as a dm be like i personally enjoy the group size that we have currently i don't want to add more players because then it takes away from each person's spotlight and that's not the game i'm trying to run nothing personal maybe if i do another game at some point i'll you know i'll send you the invite and like you know we're never going to send them that invite right but you know they don't need to know that that's a polite way yeah and and some of you listeners um if you've heard me say this before Keep in mind, some it may have been that sometimes, but sometimes it's also just you know, DMing for more than six players is a nightmare. So, yeah, keep that in mind. You know, uh, what it's what you said, and I'm I'm going to keep harping back. Help your DM. You know, be there. Somebody who's going to be joining one of our games in a few months. Before I even gave the invite, I talked to the table, the whole table. I was like, hey, what do you guys think about adding another player? just before I even said anything to him because I knew he was looking for a game, but yeah, anyway, this is not new character advice. This is party advice, uh, group dynamics and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, this is also kind of advice for maybe, uh, someone who's a player who's played before, but they're maybe considering being a new DM. I don't know. It's, It's not bad advice. Uh, plus another thing, we probably shouldn't get too much into DM advice, but the larger your group is, the harder it is to balance encounters, which is just more work for the DM. So I feel you on that one. Yeah. Okay, so we've talked a lot about uh, you know just kind of general advice for new players. Let's go a little bit on existing player, like experienced players joining a new group. Okay. Yeah. And we've kind of touched on some of the things that I, I mentioned in here. Learning your, the group dynamic, especially like don't be the person who comes in and expects this existing group to play the way that you were playing in the last group. You know, if you were playing kick down the door, burn down the hut, and they're playing the let's try diplomacy first because we've got, a, you know, three good aligned characters, including a paladin in the party. Whereas your last group was like good aligned. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, we're just a bunch of necromancers. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not just the, you know, the flavor of the game, too. We, one of my tables I've been playing with it since 2007. And there are some rules in that rule book that we just don't use. Yeah. You know, Uh, and we get new players in sometimes and they're like, wait, but the rule says this. And we're like, oh, yeah, sorry. We don't do it that way. Uh, This is how we do it. You know, and all of our players, they're always very kosher and cool about it. But, you know, there there will be mechanical things sometimes where it's just it's just different. Be prepared for things to be different, I guess, is the, the yeah. long, rambly, shortened version of that advice. Be prepared for the new group to be different, hopefully in a good way. You know, when you were talking about that Lord of the Rings system earlier, um, and you mentioned, like, then I shall come with you, I have... I feel like a lot of the time when you add a player midway through to a campaign, it's always going to be a little bit awkward. And to some degree, it's like, then I shall come with you. But if you do what you said right there, where you kind of try to mesh into the actual party, you can really like make that less awkward. Like maybe you know one of the players, or maybe you know you have this thing in common with them. It's a little bit weird when you just come out of nowhere and you're like, "Yeah, I'm the trick, yeah," you know, the creepy yeah. like evil edge lord guy, and then the DM has to make it happen because 
friendship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, make it easy on your group. Make it easy on your DM. Have fun. Yeah. Have you ever seen uh, the movie series The Gamers? Uh, probably. <laughs> I feel I've seen a lot of things. What? What's it? Give me a loose loose plot here. Uh, well, there's they're very different across the three movies. Um, but they're they're you should look them up. They're by Dead Gentleman Productions uh, slash Zombie Orpheus. If you're not familiar with them, listeners, please check them out. They do a lot of good stuff. But in I have the not first, seen this. You, I'll check it should, out though. Anyway, please. You continue. should. Uh, it's also all free on YouTube, folks. So. It's hilarious, but in the first movie, one of their characters in the party dies, and they're like, "Okay." So the guy starts rolling up a new character mid-session, and they're like, "They the DM introduces him, and they're like, now remember, he's outside the BBEG's castle, the Lord of Darkness and Shadow.'" And they're just like, "Oh, what's your name, adventurer? Oh, it's Magellan. Oh, okay, yeah." Well, you seem like a trustworthy fellow. Would you like to come with us? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> and the DM's just like, bad... like, yeah, yeah, I'm a guard for the big bad evil guy. No worries. This makes lots of sense. Yeah, it's that like, you know, just, oh, yeah, I'm just here now. Ta-da. Then I shall come with you. I've seen yeah. some like, I've seen some interesting ones. Um, like if you're, if you're playing in like a sci fantasy kind of game where there can be kind of you know, weird multiverse shit. You know, I've seen stuff like a person descends from the sky and lands, you know, directly next to your party as magical energy emanates around and you're just like, okay, that's one way to introduce a PC. You know, <laughs> it works, I guess. <laughs> Actually, he's important. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. okay. I, then I shall come with you. you. That's funny. I think I might have to steal that one from you. <laughs> Uh, next time I have a player character that dies, I'll just be like, oh, yes, I, then I shall come with you. So thank you for that I am gift. also vested in this interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And uh, but like we understand sometimes, you know, if you're mid-dungeon crawl, it can be difficult to figure out a story reason why this, this player doesn't have to sit here for the next two sessions or yeah, right? it has to miss the next two sessions. But... You gotta uh, suspend it sometimes, I think. And yeah. like, so I don't mean to like cut you off. No, go ahead. Just did it. I'm sorry, but like the same shit happens. Like, okay, let's say you have a player that can't come one week, and you're like halfway through a dungeon. Like, are you gonna not, you know, get everyone together because of that? Especially if you have a big group, that stuff happens all the time. So, yep. you know, you I've played in games where you know uh, the person just turns into a cardboard figure that just follows them around, and that's just like the setting, and that's normal. There's a lot of ways to do it, or you can just pretend that it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, you like that one? I got a kick out of that one. I remember it. I'm just picturing the the little cutout, just like yeah, like like a bad cartoon animation, two D cartoon animation, just like thumping along behind. It's exactly what it was, but we would like role play with it too. Like I remember in one of these games, like we were trying to trap someone in a barrel, but we didn't have anything to put on top of it. And one of the players wasn't there. So we took the cardboard cutout and just held it over the barrel. And it was so stupid, but it was like, you know, those moments are fun in D and D it's just, you know, it's going to be dumb lean into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I cut you off. I'm really sorry, but no, that. that's okay. I didn't really have a lot else to say there. And I just, that was well worth it. I don't think I'm going to laugh like that the rest of the night. Uh, yeah. Well, just just wait. We'll see if I have any like zingers for you. 
Uh, well, you never know. Uh, I mean, you're kind of far away to send Hostess products, but hey, maybe a few zingers. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's funny, right? Oh, okay, that was um, funny. Thanks. Sorry, I'm a little bit of a ding-dong here. Oh, man. Man, that's... Okay. This could really snowball. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, so, I can't think of any more. We'll no, stop there. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we really shot the moon pie with that one. Um, okay, okay, so, listeners, stop. don't... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could keep going, trust me. I... Uh, yeah. I I'm very good at puns. I love them. Uh, so one of the, the just the bigger general piece of ad- advice here is, folks, um, it, we kind of touched on it, on it a bit, but don't be intimidated, right? Whether it's, oh, man, this book is 700 pages to, um, oh, man, I don't know any of these people. I know it's a social game. I know it can be a lot to learn. There is not a person in the world who picked this up without making any mistakes right off the bat. And I mean that literally. Like, I, you listen to the professionals, you know, you're listening to us. One of the biggest podcasts out there is Glass Cannon Podcast, right? Everybody's heard it. I listen to them, and I go, no, that's wrong. Like, that's not how the rules... And, like, these guys, they literally make their living off of this, and they still make mistakes. Like, it just it happens. Don't worry about it. Also, let's say, you know, maybe you are someone who's more timid by nature, especially around people you don't really know, and you know this going in, maybe just say your character, your your PC is uh, kind of a timid person and just make that part of your character, you know? Uh, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Don't, don't be intimidated. I feel like in general, uh, all of the gaming groups I've ever played with have been very, like, nice to new people especially like new players so that probably will be your experience hopefully yeah. hopefully hopefully I mean, you know i i can tell some secondhand horror third hand i guess horror stories some of them i've actually told on this on on shop talk shows before but one thing about this is a, like a lot of us you we play because we enjoy it and you you can't play these games by yourself so like having more people to play with is nothing but good for us. So like we like you said, most people are very encouraging because we want to play. We want to play with more people. You know, I would love it if everybody in town played. My neighbor, uh they moved in uh beginning of summer. They, you know, I was talking to uh the guy who lives over there and he's like, "Yeah, I you know, we've thought about playing D&D." And I'm like, "I could help." All right? I, mean, I can I, help uh, with that. Yeah, not is like that long from term. Huh? Sorry. Oh, uh, that was a line from Holes. I can help with that. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) No, it's all right. It's all right. Um, I was like, you know, I can't do it long term. I can't consistently run a game for you, but I can run a few games so you guys get your feet wet. And, you know, one of you guys then takes over. Like, I I would even if I never sit down at the table with you again. Yes, I would love to help you get into the hobby. Yeah. And uh, are you familiar with Matt Colville? Matthew Colville. I feel like most people are. I kind of, you know, I don't think anyone likes this except for me, but I kind of affectionately refer to him as D and Daddy just because of the way he looks and everything. It just fits perfectly. Uh, It's the the daddy part. If you said D and Dad, I'd be okay with that because I would, you know, I could reconcile that. It's a little weird, but anyway, if you don't know who that is, 
you, you know, should. just a really handsome, long-haired man that has a very... Anyway, I'll, I'll get it. <laughs> he, uh, he has this term for uh, players that you basically don't really want to be around. He calls them wang rods. Have you ever uh, seen the episode where he talks about wang rods in your group? Um, probably. I, I have seen a lot. Like, at various points, watched all of his running the game videos. Because yeah. uh, listeners, he, Matt Colville running the game fantastic series like even you know i started watching about two years ago and i've been dming for over 10 years like please ignore everything else you know we're, we're saying here i don't care if you've been playing for 30 years or three days watch these episodes please yeah, he gives Go very ahead. good advice yeah. but uh i feel like it uh the term wing rod is helpful even if you're Okay, if you're playing with a group of people, sometimes you might be a little bit annoying, right? And I feel like it's helpful to be like, you're being a weighing rod right now. Uh, <laughs> this kind of came up because you were we were talking about, uh, you know, players being nice to newbies. And if you're not being nice to newbies, you're essentially being a weighing rod. So if you have anyone in your group being mean to the new person, just inform them that they are being a weighing rod and Matt Colville's ghost... Oh, he's alive, but he'll descend from <laughs> D&D heaven to, like, zap you with a lightning bolt. Be nice to new people. Yeah. Like your neighbor. Or you just pay him 50 bucks, he'll show up and sit in the corner <laughs> of the room and throw pool noodles at you. He'll <laughs> just look at you with his, like, big intimidating eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I think I've talked about him on here before. Um, he, yeah. It, it is yeah. a quality show. Anybody I... I know is going to start DMing for the first time. And and the other thing, listeners, his advice is not system specific. He plays largely 5e, but he's been in the gaming industry for longer than I've been alive. Worked on a lot of different products. His stuff is not system specific. So it doesn't matter what you're running. Even if you're going to run GURPS or um, inspectors, you yeah. can still learn from this. Uh, and listeners, if, if you're new, sorry, Jerry, I'll, I'll no, no, let no, me no, finish no, real quick. Um, if you're even if you're a new player, listening to this stuff can kind of give you an idea as to what the DM is going through, so you kind of know more about the game. Go ahead, Jerry. Oh, I don't really. <laughs> I wasn't going to add anything helpful. Yeah, he's oh, okay. just a very articulate uh, person, and I agree with everything that you said. It's very helpful. Uh, tips for DMs as well as players. So anyway, if you like this episode and you're thinking, you know what, I could use some more new player advice, maybe go check out his channel. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Monarch Factory also has some some good stuff, uh, which also Jared, she's Australian, uh, so you oh, can I... listen to. Yeah, you can listen to her. Um, I can't remember her real name, but Monarch Factory, she has some D and D videos, so you can listen to her for the D and D stuff and practicing your Australian accent. That's uh, that's good good advice. Thank you. I'll have to check out more more Aussies there to work on my underdark specific yes. uh, settings. <laughs> also, another real nudely bit of advice. Um, uh, I think it's just idea.com. Hold on a sec. Uh, nope. Hold on a sec. There is uh, dialectsarchive.com, the international database of English. International Dialects of English Archive idea. Um, you, if you guys want to learn accents, 
this is a great thing because it'll have uh, basically you can choose what region of the world, and then like it'll break it down like so you could choose like uh, United States, and then it's like okay, here's each of the fifty states. Here's a reading by four men and four women across each individual state. So you can like okay, I want to learn how to speak like I'm from from Colorado, New York. Or like, I want to speak, like, I'm French. Okay, do you want to do France, Congo, Montreal? Again, real nudely advice, but if you're really into accents, that is a good one. Uh, Dialectsarchive.com. Hot tip there. I keep going back to that thing you said earlier about the uh, trigger words. Uh, When I think of, like, the kind of rural Vermont accent, uh, the trigger word for me is... It's like Falconer right there, bot. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, whatever yeah. I think that I can just go straight into that voice. But if I don't <laughs> say that first, I can't do it. Uh, so sorry, you said Montreal, and I was like, that's not that far from where I'm from. Yeah, that's yeah. Hey man, those keywords. Um, yeah, keywords. Anyway, take yeah. away. You, I've I've learned something today. Thank you. That's yeah, no worries, man. I again, I learned that from Konstantin Stanislavski. Um, he, he has a lot of stuff on, on acting, and most of it you won't use at a table because a lot of it's physical, but like how uh, how old people, old men, they walk, uh, they lead with their pelvis. That's, ah. that's how you do an old man walk. You know, that's interesting. I've noticed that old men, specifically when they have tucked in uh, shirts, they'll pull their pants up kind of high, usually to cover up like if they have a bit of a belly. So anyway, if you're going... <laughs> <laughs> this might not help you as a new player in D&D, but, you know, I don't know. Those those small details, actually, I feel like that stuff can be helpful, though. Yeah. Even if you're you're not actually doing it, you can describe your players or your, your PC doing those things, and that can help, yep. you know. If your, like, thing is having pants that are pulled up too high, like, that'll get a definitive, you know, image in your, all of your, uh, your tables yep. or in the head of everyone at your table. Yeah, or if you want to play like a master of disguise, and you know you you like you want to have some of these key things down for like playing an old uh-huh. person or the opposite gender, or you know um, you know like a, a lifetime military vet or something like that. You know you can go through and pick up some of these little key things to to kind of try and pass off an, a believable characteristic. Yeah, for your like military types things. I'm not great at this, but in a lot of games I've played, things that have stood out to me is like, you know, uh, the the soldier or whatever might have like a very always have a freshly shaved face, and they'll all like be really really well groomed and get up earlier than everyone else. Things like that can help. Yeah. Um, or even you know. just uh, you know, it's like oh, um, you handed me this thing. What well, goes in this pocket? Well, it doesn't yeah. matter what pocket it is. Well, that's the pocket for that. Yeah, you know, like that sort of level of organized. Like I know where all, I know what all my pockets do, because yeah. I have to know where everything is when I'm in the middle of a fight. You know, so. something that we somehow haven't talked about yet that I feel like is probably the most important advice: vacuums. Vacuums. Oh my god! Seriously, dust is really rough on you know if you have allergies. But yeah. no, this is uh well. Actually, that's a great bridge, because I was going to say flaws. I feel like Ah. flaws are the most interesting thing that you can do to your character. (laughs) And this came up as you were talking about, 
your character i usually feel like i describe things that are weird you know like you know like if if i'm playing a character that perpetually has like a runny nose or something like that or uh it could be anything you maybe your character is like an alcoholic and every day he wakes up like covered in vomit and like he stumbles around there can be a lot of things like that and i think flaws are great because they allow opportunities for character growth and i think that your dm will typically help you achieve that which is interesting i find yes now listeners one thing we are not advocating is for your flaw to be uh i'm too i don't good trust anybody <laughs> and uh, i've been i was born and raised on the streets and my tragic dark backstory and it's like no yeah. that's not a character flaw that's just you being you know over the top the stuff yeah. that you were talking about is a character flaw, or maybe like you, um, you know, you can be suspicious as a character flaw, but it's like you don't tell them, you know, the the whole backstory. You know, you tell them it's like, yeah, I was an orphan, but you don't tell them it's like, yeah, I was an orphan because I ran away from home. You know, like yeah. keep your suspicious to a level where you can still role play. Um, I know one of the the ones that I had one time was. Um, the guy he was just colorblind it's just a simple thing you know it doesn't need to be a big thing it's just it That's could come up though. at some point you know where they're like hey g- grab the red gem like, <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking of is it's going to cause a scenario where uh or you know even on the same token i've played with players before that can't read and they're self-conscious about it and they don't want anyone to know and eventually at one point in the campaign someone's going to need you to read something and it's going to be at a really inopportune moment and they're just going to have to explain a reason why they don't do the thing and it's it's funny yeah so anyway uh flaws are good in my opinion don't make them things that are going to make your other players hate you (laughs) like don't quirky yeah yeah just allow allow for the character growth yeah i I, i'm gonna tell a little story here i I heard this story from somebody else they were playing a i believe it was Hackmaster was the system and you can you get more points by taking flaws right but the flaw you don't get to choose your flaws it's a random table and this guy he took the maximum number of flaws and he started rolling for them and it's like nearsighted okay farsighted (laughs) okay missing your left eye Okay, cataracts. Uh, all right, blind. I don't uh, missing your right eye. He's like, I, <laughs> it's like, you know, well, guess what? I can't see. Uh, <laughs> that's what's happening. <laughs> you gotta double down and play that character. Because... <laughs> I mean, he did. He played it. Yeah. It was just hilarious that he kept rolling that's all the funny. vision problems. That's... Okay, so uh, you you reminded me of another story. Uh, I remember when I first started playing Pathfinder, there was a class. This probably still is a thing. Sorry if I'm saying stuff that all of your listeners know, but Oracle. And they yep. had, uh, the, you know, Their I curse. don't know what the ter- curse. Thanks. And one of them was uh, blindness. Uh, but I think that was you couldn't see at, at one point. You can't see beyond 60 feet or something like that. 30 feet. And, 30 feet so thank you so there was a scene uh you know it's like we're in this like massive city atop like 100 feet high walls and we're looking out over the land and there's massive armies coming up and everyone's just like oh my god and the guy playing the oracle's like what and it was you know it was funny (laughs) what's going on 
It's like I don't see anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we actually we have one of those active in one of my games. Um, yeah. Full of knowledge skills too. So they're just like, hey, what is that thing? And he's like, what thing? And I'm like, it's outside. Yeah. Like he can see perfectly yeah. within thirty feet. He yeah. can't see shit outside of it. So. Yeah. I really like those, though, because I feel like that's a mechanical way to essentially do exactly what we were talking about. Like, you have a flaw, and then you overcome the flaw, and normally, I think in the in the case of the Oracle, like, with blindness, you get other kinds of, like, a tremor sense or blind yeah. sight, or I don't know what it's called, but that's cool. And if you can, like, come up with a way to, through story and role-playing, do something cool with your flaw, then, you know... Good on you. That's exact. Yeah. You're winning D and D. Yes, and everyone remember, loves you. Yeah, like for instance, um, similar story. We one of the other Oracle ones is haunted. Where like anything that you have in your hand, if you drop it, it lands in a random square anywhere from five to ten feet away. And we were once like, the we were fighting barehanded. Essentially, we didn't have any weapons, and like the Oracle comes running out with arms full of like clubs and knives and stuff, and it's just like. Okay, and he just drops them all, and they just spread out around him. So we were all able just to run up into this big ring of weapons. You know, it there can lead go. to some really hilarious things having these quirks. But again, listeners, don't make it obnoxious. Okay, uh, one thing I will say, uh, I, I like to use this term: don't try to be clever. Don't game the system with your quirk. All right, yeah. Just don't try to find some weird advantage to it. You know just have something strange you know maybe you you're missing a couple fingers yeah i think that you are touching on something that i think is like broad advice as well people that um try to manipulate things to their advantage whenever possible for no reason other than to be a power gamer uh that's not good in my opinion and it will annoy the fuck out of your dm as well as your other players yes Unless that happens to be the table you're sitting at where everybody wants that game. True. True. Yes. That's true. Uh, but for the most part, you know. Yeah, don't, for the most part. It's like, you know, DM makes specific ruling. Uh, okay, let's let's abuse the ruling that you made now. You know, like, don't do that. And, uh, you know, exactly what you were saying about flaws. Flaws should be flaws, you know. Yeah. It's there to create challenges. They shouldn't be like, oh, my flaws that I'm too handsome and that like people don't get to know the real me. Like that's, that's not a fucking flaw. That's just you being a fucking unimaginative dickhead. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just, no, just no, rampant. no, I, I understand. Now, again, you know, you can be creative with it. Like, yeah, I'm too handsome. So I go around with a full helmet all the time and I don't talk to anybody. There you, know. you go. That's how you do it. Doing it right. Yeah. You know, d don't turn it into a thing where, like, everybody's nice to you because you're so good-looking. Um, yeah. Turn it into, like, this is why I'm a withdrawn asshole, because I never learned how to deal with people. Yeah, or, like, you're too handsome, so you never went on the quest because you spent the entire time staring at yourself, your reflection yes. in the water, and then you turned into a flower. <laughs> and then it's like, what What game? I'm just chilling here. I'm just imagining, it's like, you bring out this character... <laughs> And then, like, yes, I'm just too handsome, and, like, I don't need to go on the quest, because everybody already loves me and gives me everything I want. I don't need gold. Uh, and, by the way, this... And then you move the character sheet to the side and pull over another one. You're like, and this is my actual character I'll be playing. 
That would be a fucking power move. I actually take back everything I said. That is a hilarious thing to do if you're ever sitting down with a new new table. No one knows you. Do that. And then be like, just kidding. <laughs> they won't know what to expect because they won't know you or your sense of humor. Uh, this is my dwarf who had half his face burned off by a dragon. <laughs> It's like, yes, this is my character that gets disadvantage on all perception checks because I'm too busy staring at my reflection in the mirror. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just kind of... No. We're no, just it's going like, uh, So, listeners, I guess here here's going to be my wrap-up advice for you. Um, have fun. And if you're not having fun, figure out why you're not having... Figure out why you're not having fun. And if you need to, make whatever change is necessary, whether it's a new character... You know, changing something about your existing character, obviously with your DM's permission sometimes, if it's a mechanical change, or just a new group if you really have to. But have fun. Don't be worried about making mistakes. Jared, what is your... Is there anything left in your head where you're just like, man, I really wish we'd talked about this, but we haven't gotten to it yet? You know, not really. I kind of... I feel like I just kind of riff off of what you say a lot of the time. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that kind of worked out pretty well. We've been talking for a little over an hour, just giving people just nuggets of gold advice. Yes. You know, we're just like two King Midases over here. (laughs) Just like, you know, and our voice is just turning everything into gold. Uh, Yeah, but no, exactly what you just said. Uh, it's, it's, It's a game that people play to have fun. And that's what you have to kind of keep in mind. Don't use it as an opportunity to you know force your friends to give you therapy or you know nothing nothing like that just keep in mind that it's all about having fun and try to you know act in that way to make it fun for other people all right uh that's pretty much going to wrap us up except for one last little bit you can never have enough dice thank you listeners for joining us and we will talk to you next time is made in association with Knights of the Octagon and the Farmageddon Gaming Convention. Find us online at shieldbash.net, on Facebook at shieldbash, on Twitter at bashshield, and on YouTube at shieldbash. Bumper music provided by Lee Rosevere. Other artists can be found in the episode description. Troubles in Otari, Abomination Vaults, Serpent Skull, and Pathfinder are the property of Paizo Publishing Incorporated. Leave a comment on iTunes for a chance to hear us read it out on the podcast. Questions and comments can be sent to shieldbashpodcast at gmail.com.